I couldn't take my own life and I couldn't live life. So I just lived in the middle sleeping, you know, it was kind of a last ditch effort coping mechanism, you know, and You're listening to Scars We Share. I'm your host, Kayleen. Before we jump in, I want to remind you about Empress Journal, the empowerment journal I created for women. We talk about things in this episode like gratitude and affirmations or mantras that I incorporated into Empress Journal. I'd love for you to buy it, try it out. It's only $15 on Amazon, or you can get it directly from me. It's a great way to help yourself, and it also helps to support the show. For this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with another person that I went to high school with, Ben. Please be aware that he talks in depth about suicide. Uh, Hi. Uh, Well, um, I'm Ben. Went to school with Kayleen. That's how I kind of know her. And uh, a great person. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just a great all-around person. Yeah, no no complaints here. Yeah, uh, 31, 32, wow, 32. <laughs> I guess you uh, kind of stopped counting after whatever age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a chef right now. Um, spent seven years in the military, been married twice, got a couple kids, and uh, I like walking on the beach in pina coladas. So, okay, that's Oh. <laughs> No, no, stop. Oh my gosh. That sounds so amazing right now. Uh, (laughs) So yes, we went to high school together. Correct me if I'm wrong. You did, you played trumpet for the jazz choir at one point. Oh, wait, 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 hang on. I, I can't remember if you went on that field trip, though. With us. I was. We went to Boise. Is that? Oh, I've tried. It was you, Miriam. Uh, who else? Brandy Allred. I'm pretty sure she okay. was older than we were, but yes. Yeah, it, oh wow! Yeah, it was just me and Halford. Uh, yes, Clayton Halford. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's so funny. That... I actually got a uh, blue trumpet for Christmas. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a joke. I don't know if you ever seen that TV show, uh, How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. Yes. <laughs> blue French horn. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Inside, we have inside jokes around here. So. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Yeah, that was a, a bit of time ago, you know, that just a little bit. That was a fun, <laughs> nice little tight knit field trip. You know, most field trips are like, you know, a sport team, you know. Oh, yeah. No, that was fun. Like, I loved doing stuff with jazz choir because it was small. Because I think the most people that were ever in jazz choir was like eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was fun. We were in a van. I'm pretty sure we just had a van for that. Yeah. Oh, that was a long drive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. So I like, I'm just super excited to have someone from back home again. I've had a fair amount of people now that I've recorded with from back home. And it's really fun actually talking to people from high school. So let's go ahead and jump in with a physical scar that you have. Uh, well, uh, gosh, I know you told me to think about one. Um, <clears throat> I, I should have known one before I reached out to you, but um, 
Uh, I haven't broken a bone in my body, so my scars are like limited, I mean, cuts wise, you know. Um, you know, I totally had someone on who talked about their tattoos at their scars as their no, scars. No, no, I know, so, I, 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 do, I do have a scar. It's uh, I'm like, if you um, want to do one of those, we can totally do oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I, I probably cut my finger every, I don't know, every two to three months in the oh. in the kitchen working. Mm-hmm. Just because, uh, no matter how, I don't know. Just uh, some days you gotta work so fast, and um, anyways, I don't count those as scars. But I was looking at my fingers, like oh, I have like three scars right now healing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, um, one of my physical scars, um, probably can't see it now. It was, uh, it's probably the only one like a prominent one that I can think of. Uh, what year was it? Two thousand. I think 2018 after the new year, um, I had, gosh, how do I, how do you start off? How do you uh, <laughs> talk about this? Um, yeah, I just, uh, I, w- I was struggling with depression in 2018 and not just that year, but uh, anyways, I had like made attempts at my life like a dozen times, maybe up to mm-hmm. 2018. Anyways, uh, this, this scar was uh, the 12th or 13th attempt. I was at home and I was just swirling all around the place. And I took a, I went to the kitchen, grabbed a, our kitchen chef knife and just like barely cut my neck. <clears throat> I was trying to aim for an artery or something like that. It was, it was not like a great place in my life, mm-hmm. but that is, that's, that wound probably took uh, in the hospital probably three weeks to go away finally. Wow. Because it like scabbed up and uh, a neck is a terrible place to have a a wound in general. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't yeah, just because um, you're moving and you're turning and you're shaving. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's probably about the, um, one of the few physical scars I have because I'm usually pretty, pretty careful not to break any bones or have any surgeries. So yeah, yeah, I have had no surgeries. I know a lot of people yeah. probably have surgeries to talk about. So I've actually been surprised by how many people have no physical scars that they can think of. (laughs) So, but, you know, I actually had no idea that you really struggled with depression or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, I was, um, yeah, like looking back at high school, looking back at all that, all school, really, um, it was very easy to, uh, like, um, just be happy around friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's smiling, you're all hanging out and we got like a team. It's like a it's like a yeah. little like a wolf pack, you know. And mm-hmm. you guys are always howling and smiling and but I was very much like I I led two different lives when I was in school cuz like I, my home life was not my school life. If that makes sense, you know. Was yeah, a, absolutely. Yeah. I was yeah, I was sad a lot at home so when I came to school it was like my my what's it called uh not sanctuary but but kind of like your safe space almost like to yeah, yeah absolutely that makes yeah. sense i get that but yeah that's probably why you didn't it's but yeah uh, that's probably why i didn't know yeah i'm surprised like a uh, you know a lot of uh a lot of i hear stories from like a lot of people in in our grade that you know suffered from something or another you know yep and uh it's not as uncommon as you think people just get through it or don't talk about it or mm-hmm. just deal with it and move on and learn how to live with it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that like, cause that's kind of what it is. You just have to learn to live with it. It's not something that just magically disappears. It's something that you have to create a toolbox for so that you have tools to handle it and get through it. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, 
I've never personally experienced depression or anything like that, but my husband has depression and possibly anxiety. And it's definitely something where it's like, it doesn't just go away. It's something that's always there. And some days are better than others. And some days it's just tomorrow's a new day. And that's, that's what I'm going for. Tomorrow's a new day kind of thing. But yeah, it's interesting. Just, you never know what people are going through. You really don't. I know it's so cliche, but you really don't ever know what people are experiencing and going through in their personal lives which is why I really do think it's so important to always just be kind and loving towards others because it's, yeah, it's important. When in doubt, yeah. Even oh gosh, even in the workplace, gosh, <sighs> if, um, you know, somebody, somebody like just have you ever had somebody just go off on you in the workplace? I don't know if you ever experienced that, or and there's they just uh, releasing their anger on you, and mm-hmm. you can like you might be feeling good, you, you might be feeling okay. And you might, uh, if you lash back, gosh, if they're already going through something bad and you lash back, they're just, uh, I try not to give into that. Um, yeah. I just know people have, they're going through something. Mm-hmm. That's rough. Do you have that much as a chef in the kitchen? Does it ever get pretty heightened in the kitchen? It's about, it's supposed to be eight people in the kitchen as far as staff goes. Mm-hmm. Right now it's two or three. Oh. So um, there's not a lot of, um, people right now so gotcha. pretty quiet i just go in at 4 30 in the morning play my jams and there's slaving away feeding a bunch of people but uh no no, no. I, i've been in the kitchen where um other uh, other cooks and chefs have experienced that but they how do i say it some people want to go to a new kitchen and create a safe environment create an environment that they never got to experience yeah that makes sense yeah yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Well, for the majority of the time, a majority of the kitchens and restaurants, they're uh, ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm like, I've heard things about that, but I don't have experience with it. So I was curious. So let's go ahead and delve into an internal scar that you're willing to talk about. Yeah, gosh, that was... um. That's the harder one. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I jotted down, I jotted down some notes. Um, it's it's just it's just been a while since I've uh, had to like you know visit revisit it you know this scar per, yeah. per se right yeah yeah I totally get that well I uh gosh it's been freaking twelve years <laughs> since uh, last <laughs> talked uh well uh I guess um a lot of like uh, scars and internal trauma I, I don't know if you've uh, heard this in common conversations with people is um brought on by a death of a loved one yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And, yep. um, uh, mine, mine kind of started with that, but it more morphed into something completely different. But my 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 mom uh, took her own life. Oh, a year after, a year after. Let me think. How many months was that? Not even seven. Six months after I graduated high school. Oh my gosh, I had no six idea. Months. Yeah, I, we we graduated high school. I went off in the military June twenty seventh, a month after yeah. we graduated. Mm-hmm. and she took her life in september okay it might have been a year sorry i might have the years mixed up but it might, six to 12 months after something like that but uh yeah she took her own life and i was in the military you know just doing that thing and i like came back for the funeral but didn't really um i got two weeks of vacation and then i had to go back to work in the military and you know there's not much oh in 2008 there wasn't that much mental health 
No, no. It, wasn't it. it wasn't a no. thing, you know? So I got back and my, my supervisors and bosses were like, you good? All right, let's go. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Two week, two week, uh, break for the funeral. And that's it. Anyways, I, um, that was 2008. I was probably a 19 that year. I guess we were 19, 18, 19. Uh, that's when I started, uh, drinking like a lot of mostly men, but women too, you know, drink to curb sadness, especially death of a loved one. It's very common. You know, not acceptable, but it's just it. A lot of people do it. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I drank for the next seven years of my military career. Like, you know, you name it, any heavy alcohol, you name it, I've tried it. And uh been sober now for uh, how many? Two years. Yeah. That's awesome. Two years sober. And uh, that's, uh, see, I feel like people that, you know, aren't addicts or don't have never had a substance abuse problem with alcohol, you know, it's uh it's uh, I don't know. It might be difficult for them to see see how impressive it is to be sober, you know. But when you're addicted to something, gosh, it just you just go and reach for it, you know, when whenever you need it. Yeah. And when you stop using, you got to find something else to mm-hmm. fill that pain. And that's kind of where, yeah, I got out of the military and kind of sobered up. That's when all of my yeah, I got I got sober after the military, and that's when all of my symptoms started coming up because I had not grieved for seven years at all. My yeah. mom's passing, and uh, yeah, so I, I guess my internal scar was uh, <clears throat> I got diagnosed uh, with bipolar like a year after the military, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they were throwing out that diagnosis kind of like candy, you know. But, um, I definitely had a bunch of like mood swings, highs and lows. Where there was one year I I got there's wow. Oh, if you go look up the diagnostic criteria for bipolar on google.com, you know, um, uh, you'll probably see my picture, you know, (laughs) (laughs) all the description and, um, symptoms right there with it. And, uh, but, but funny thing, um, diagnosed in 2015 with that, but funny thing, it's not very funny. It's ironic or interesting. Uh, I was actually, um, re-diagnosed by, um, this psychologist in 2000. 2019 she made me do like oh she met with me and maybe do like four hours of these testing and questionnaires for like two months once a week it was like eight sessions and uh then she finally compiled her report as an 18 page report i'm like wow "Wow, that's my brain right there you know (laughs) and it's oh gosh it was like uh it was funny anyway she um she said she doesn't believe I'm, I she thinks I was misdiagnosed bipolar. And anyways, yeah, she diagnosed me 2019 with, this is when I had, had sobered up uh, again and was trying to get my head on straight. And um, she re-diagnosed me with a borderline personality disorder. And that's an interesting, uh, gosh, if you Google that, um, that's an interesting thing to read. That's re- a- yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you ever read about borderline, yeah. It, it, what's What's funny though is it's uh, uncommon in men. It's usually women that get diagnosed borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. I had just lived. I had just you know, gosh, I had just uh, put on two different faces like since I was in high school, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just had this face. I gave off to this person, this crowd, and that face for that crowd, and oh, it got worse and. um Gosh, there's so many, sorry, there's just so many, um, Oh, you're fine. There's been so much, um, trauma lived through, you know, and, uh, hurts and mental cuts, you know, that I've 
Mm-hmm. And given or given. Uh, I got to look up my notes. I'm sorry. I, oh, you're uh, totally fine. Seriously, you're fine. Take your time. While you're looking, I'll just kind of bring this up. Um, I've told you I've recorded with a few people from back home. John Bliss did right. an episode and he talked about his uh, addiction with mm-hmm. alcohol and drugs and stuff like that. And it's definitely very interesting um, because you, it's like you said, when you're addicted to something, it's your natural thing to go to. Right. Yeah. It, like that it's the first thing you go to. Yeah. Like, I, I, I hesitate to make this connection, but I'm just going to say it this way. Anyway, it seriously is like, we're addicted to our phones. Mm. We automatically go to our phone. And so much of the time it's Facebook. It's like, oh, I'm going to pull up Facebook. And I have found myself like not even thinking about it. I pick up my phone and uh, all of a sudden I'm looking at Facebook. I was like, oh, I didn't even realize like I had gotten it. <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> and it's like, I didn't even consciously like make the decision to get into Facebook. It was just so much of a, of a habit that I just brought it up. And I feel like, again, like I said, I hesitate to make that connection because it's very different things. But I feel like that's what an addiction is though. When you like, you don't even necessarily consciously make the decision. Mm-hmm. You just do it. You just go go to it. And I think that's when you really start to realize, oh, wow, this is an addiction. I didn't even think before grabbing this. Oh, yeah. I didn't even so, think. So, uh, speaking of why we do this, right? I, I've yeah. been through so many hospitals and therapies and inpatient, outpatient stuff. And yeah. Um, one of these lessons I learned, uh, we watched a video in one of our group meetings, and uh, it was uh, humans have needs, right? These four yep. basic needs, the need for survival, mm-hmm. to love, to be loved, and a variety. Variety meaning variety in life, period, you know? Yes. And so people that have substance abuse issues and um, addicts and users, they're just trying to fulfill a need. Mm-hmm. So. That girl across the street that's, you know, uh, is addicted to cocaine. She's, she wants to be loved probably, maybe, maybe her parents hate her and, you know, she's trying to fulfill a need basically. Yeah. Uh, some people might, might take painkillers just to survive the day for, they think they need to survive, you know, physical yeah. pain, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. they get used to that. And so my, my alcohol really was, uh, I guess it just didn't, you don't know, um, one of the love things, I'm sure you know, because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and something that I've heard from multiple people, is, and you kind of mentioned it, you didn't grieve for seven years. Mm, grief is And yeah, I think that that is definitely something that drives people to drinking and substance abuse is they're trying, they have, I'm trying to figure out how you would say this, but like a need to ignore Mm-hmm. because like because you it's painful when you lose someone you love when you go through something really hard or traumatic in your life it's painful and who wants to feel pain it sucks and so it, I feel like that's something that is very common is a trauma or triggering event like that just kind of dumps you into how can I just forget how can I not feel this oh you're, you're, um, so the, um, there's just one talking point that you just, that you just, uh, kind of remind me of is, um, 
Well, one of the biggest, um, you know, this this scar that kind of follows me, right? It doesn't follow me, but that I'm, the one I, I remember it is, um, it's like not not looming sadness, but like you know my my you know my the past depressed self of me, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you know on just a normal day when something bad happens, I'll like just feel a speck of that, like whoa, you know, and it's still there. But sorry, uh, it doesn't sound very interesting what I'm trying to say. But uh, <laughs> I, I there was one hospital visit recently, uh, two thousand, it was two thousand nineteen. I um I had tried to gosh. I had tried to take my own life in in Hawaii of all places by um by starving myself, just dying of starvation and dehydration. Just stop just laying in bed all day and not drinking or eating because I tried everything else you can think of. If you name off 15 methods of taking your life, I tried 14. I hadn't tried that one yet. And what's funny what's funny is uh the one the one method before that was uh induced hypothermia, trying to just freeze to death just die in the cold you know and the next one i moved to hawaii and i'm dying in the heat and just oh it's just ironic like uh my there's like a there's like a push for this push push for survival and there's a push for oh this is painful i need to end my life i need to escape this escape yeah and it's like a battle and i've experienced the battle so many times and anyways that, that that recent that recent attempt in hawaii it uh it pushed me to the edge, to the edge, over the edge, over the edge, and then the edge of the edge. And um, it was just another, just another traumatic event. Like it was trauma enough living through a parent's death, and now all this other trauma. You know, uh, the uh, two two divorces. The, there's been like stuff in there that was painful. And um, anyway, so these suicide attempts were just another trauma snowballing on top. I, I eventually got to the point when I went to the hospital after that attempt in Hawaii. I uh, I just gave up. I just uh, cocooned into my own body and didn't want to deal with anybody. Uh, I remember, I remember begging, begging for the doctors just to, uh, euthanize me in the hospital. Like it was that bad. You know, just, I did, did not want to deal. And, um, it slowly declined more and more to where I kind of like, I let like, I, 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 I say create, I kind of created these alternate people, personalities in my brain to kind of take care of life. Yeah. And I just took care of life when I was sleeping. So, oh, I just escaped in my dreams. I would just uh, sleep all day. Whenever I closed my eyes, I went to this alternate world that I had created where everything was great. I moved back to my hometown, not not press. I moved back to where my kids lived. I um, had had one bunch of, I had I invested in a bunch of stocks. I went to med school and then I bought the hospital in town. It's all fancy, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I had bought the hospital and renamed it from, you know, regional health to hops and health. And uh, I just wanted my kids to be proud of me, like see that their last name on the, you know, of course I, of course I built like a, a big house, you know, had a truck, a, a Toyota hybrid electric a model T. Yeah. I, I, this is in my brain while I was sleeping. I created this alternate, life where it was happier in this life when i went to sleep i didn't have depression you know i didn't have all these scars uh, i can't remember if my mom was alive in my alternate reality but gosh life just sucks so much to where i couldn't take my own life and i couldn't live life so i just lived in the middle sleeping you know it was kind of a last ditch effort coping mechanism you know and gosh that probably went on for like two three weeks honestly and um Everything was so vivid. Gosh, oh, uh, it, it played out like a movie. Like, 
the dream starts off. I'm on a same dream for two, three weeks. You know, it starts off like booting up like a computer. I'm on an airplane. I'm flying from Hawaii to back to my hometown. You know, I land and it's all so vivid. I see my Ford Mustang. I buy with cash right there. Ford Mustang, Shelby GT, you know, fully loaded. I see all this like rendered, rendered in my brain, all the graphics and details all rendered. And it's so attractive and much eye candy and just like so appeasing. It's just like drugs, you know? I just wanted to sleep and experience that. And that I would describe as like the ultimate, I don't know, as as rock bottom as you can get, you know, because you're not even a person at that point. And, but, uh, therapy and therapy and, uh, Yeah. Anyway, finally, uh, not finally, I, I uh, got a good doctor in Hawaii, went through a lot of therapy again. You know, I've been through hours and days of therapies. And um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely got a toolbox through, through my my group therapy. And just like you're talking about, you know, and tools you need to uh, cope with this kind of stuff. And, yeah. and uh, mantras is huge. Uh, mantras and for me specifically, medication is actually, actually helped. Actually, I, I, I had tried a dozen different medication from 2015 to 2020. In five years, I tried every mood medication you can think of for mental health. Oh gosh. Uh, do you, do you mind if I like name them all? Oh, go ahead. Seriously. Informational. It's like a well, I know when I was in uh, uh, high school, it was I, the, a doctor gave me Prozac. They were pop, they were giving Prozac to everybody back then. Gosh, I got a doctor to prescribe me uh, Paxil, which is an uh, antidepressant that lasted a week and bad side effects. Uh, Lamictal and Latuda and Abilify and Varelar, those are very popular mood stabilizers. And oh, just uh, the, those last three are antipsychotics, and I do not recommend them. Just just from personal experience, gosh, I am. Um, I had like medicine induced anxiety where it's like your skin is crawling and you feel like you're on your edge of your seat and you feel like your back is just, oh, if you feel, if, if there's a way to feel the most uncomfortable, uh, nerves, that's what it is. Yeah. Nerve, yeah. It's nerve uncomfortableness. You're on nerve, on edge all day. And oh, it's, it's worse than being depressed. It's like, uh, cause you're, oh, it's terrible. And, uh, oh, so yeah, I mean dozen meds later and um i went off meds over and over again it's very popular for people with mental health uh you know, so they think they're better so they go off you know mm-hmm. uh but no i finally got a couple uh, uh a nice um a nice two duo that uh, i've been on for two years now and uh zero side effects very safe and it's just part of my routine i wake up at four uh 3 a.m to go to work and uh, you know to, to get ready for work and uh you know, drink a nice little I don't know, protein shake, cup of coffee, my two little pills. It's just part of the day, you know? And uh, that wasn't the cure at all, though, for sure. Gosh, because um, in therapy, they, they, they taught us mantras. I remember um, the episode with Christy. I think she talked about her mantras, right? Yeah. Bit, yeah. yeah. Mine, I would say every day. When, so I, I, I got this, uh, after I got out of the hospital in Hawaii, I got a job at a, a French restaurant in Hawaii. And uh, I had to walk to the bus stop because... Uh, traffic's just horrible in Hawaii. It's a tiny, tiny little island, and a million people on this tiny island. Anyways, I every day I'd walk to the bus stop, and I would say these mantras while I was walking to the bus stop. Um, I would say, "I can accomplish anything I set my mind to," and I would just say that sentence. It was memorized. I can accomplish anything I set my mind to. And it was so empowering. It made the world open up. Yep. Open up like that. So yep. you basically there's no limits. You know, 
that mantra helped out a lot. Like I, it got me the job I have today now. Uh, the other mantra I would say is um, just being thankful. I, I would say I am thankful while I'm walking. I'm just walking with my backpack on with all my kitchen tools in it and just walking to the bus stop. And I'd say I'm thankful for my legs that help me walk right now. I'm thankful for my feet that aren't broken. I'm thankful for my hands because I need them to work in the kitchen. I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity that I have. And I'm thankful for my doctor, you know, something simple stuff like that. And it sounds so weird and kind of awkward at first, but it just becomes like second nature, second language, and it actually helps. I'm like genuinely happy, a happy person. Mm -hmm. And I I couldn't say I was genuinely happy for uh, many years. I was just mediocre, you know, because anybody who's an alcoholic isn't happy, you know, when you want to like take your own life, you're not happy. And gosh, I haven't, there's, there's like three or four years where I was just, I would, every month I'd go online and research methods of taking your own life. It would, if that became an addiction for me, almost like, almost like a high, like, gosh, what, oh, how do other people take their life? You know, like, oh, what's this? You know, wow, we have blood in our bodies, blah, blah, blah. And gosh, it just became an obsession. I was sad and I didn't want to live, but it hurts to take your life though. And it's pain. And so you had to, you had to ask yourself, is it more pain to live or more pain to hurt your body? And gosh, the human body is resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I must say I'm, there's people that are survivors of cancer. I am a survival of myself, you know, cause it is insane. I, I one thing I am grateful for though, that I never had access to firearms ever on a serious note, yeah. because people that have been near me or close to me throughout life, that have actually succeeded in taking their own life has been a firearm. Yep. And that's the majority of the people I know. And I'm so grateful that I, that I never, I never developed that into my uh, lifestyle Main, mainly because my, uh, my mom took her life with a gun too. Yeah. Uh, countless others after her. So I'm so grateful. I never had access to that because I might not be talking to you right now. So yeah. What other mantra that I know? Uh, thankfulness and accomplish anything. Oh Yeah. I would say this. Uh, it's, it's kind of, I've ever seen that movie uh, with Bill Murray. Um, what about Bob? Oh, I I think I've seen it once. Okay, wait, he, but it's he, been a long time. Okay, yeah, he, he, he sees Richard Dreyfus, who is in Mr. Holland's Opus, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he sees him uh, as a patient. Mm-hmm. He says mantras. He said whenever he walks around any, anywhere in the world, he's like, baby steps, baby steps to the door. Baby steps outside. Yes, yes, Just yes. In there. And um, it, it, one of his mantras too, he's like, I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm exciting, I'm strong. He would just repeat this stuff like I'm, you know. Anyways, yeah, that it was, I had a mantra similar to that actually. It was, um, I am strong, I am capable, I am powerful. And I would just put the I statement, I am this, I am this. And after after a month of saying that every day walking the bus, I started to believe it. Mm-hmm. In a good way, you know. You don't say, "Yeah." Um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's probably, um, there's probably a wrong way to use a mantra. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is, but yeah, those those mantras got me to where I am today, and that's my that's my internal scar, you know. And uh, it's a scar, and it still like lives with you, and you just gotta live with it. But mm-hmm. um, cool thing is, that it heals. Yep. And. As long as you take care of it with some cocoa butter, some lotion, you know, <laughs> it kind of stays put. So I really like, sorry, I have lots of thoughts, but I'm going to try to <laughs> keep them succinct. Someone who was on my podcast, I think 
it was just last week's episode. Hmm. Obviously, it won't be that for this. But <laughs> the episode that went up last week, the woman who I had on talked about how there are different stages that you have to go through to actually get to a scar. Mm. I mean, think about your neck. You said it had to scab like your neck. It took a long time for your neck to heal and even get to a scar. And that's how our internal scars are. That's absolutely how they are. They're a deep wound at first and they have to go through a lot of different stages of healing before they eventually become a scar but they are just that they're a scar. It's something that's always there. It's always a part of you moving forward. You can be healed from it. Like you can be like, you know, it can just be that a scar, but it's still there. It's something that's always with you. It's part of who you are at that point and getting to where you are now, like that helped make you who you are now, which I think is like, I think that there's a lot to learn in that is you are who you are because of where you've been. And our scars play a really big part in that. They're integral in that. And as far as I just wanted to mention like firearms, absolutely. Because I'm in like, I enjoy shooting. Like I grew my dad. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Like my dad shot me how to shot me. Wow. My dad (laughs) taught me. (laughs) No, he never shot me. No, uh, my dad taught me how to shoot a gun from a very young age. Like my son who was six. No, who's seven now. He first learned to shoot with my dad when he was five, I think. Mm-hmm. But it was very much a like, these are not a toy. Yeah. Like uh, we learned very early on about that. But I do also have a very, um, I will never own one personally because of my husband's depression mm-hmm. and the struggles with anxiety. Like we have already decided that it doesn't matter where we live or anything like that, we will never own a gun purely because of the mental illness that is within our family. Mm. And I think that that's something that like, I never would have thought that because I always kind of had it in my head that, yeah, eventually I'd own a gun because I enjoy shooting. It's, it's fun to do, uh, but it's something that we had to, we had to take stock. We're like, no, it wouldn't be good to ever have a firearm. Yeah. It just wouldn't be good to have one for us because of our circumstances. And my best friend committed suicide by a firearm when I was 18. And so, yeah, like there's lots around that for sure. Something I really wanted to touch on though, was your mantras, like affirmations, mantras, whatever you want to call them. Holy crap, they make a difference. Mm -hmm. They make a huge difference. It's kind of like manifesting. When you start saying it, as in, like you said, you started saying, I am strong. I like, you are all of these things. It's not you're saying, I will be. It's, no, I am. I already am. I've already. I would laugh at doctors and and psychiatrists (laughs) and psychologists and all the psych people were like, it's not going to work. That won't work. You understand. I'm different. That won't work. You're an idiot, you know? And uh, I did that for years. And uh, they, um, there's a, there's a good term for people that are struggling with addiction or mental health is um, a lot of people are willful, willful to, to get better, get help instead of willing. Basically willful is like unwilling, but it's not just unwilling. It's like, deliberately unwilling you know mm-hmm. and so when you actually want to get better and get help we, we learn this thing where you kind of like uh just hold out your hands and your arms just hold out your hands in front of you and 
you know, see how they look when you clench your fists together, you know, they're closed fists, they're closed hand. Now open them like, like they're, you know, your palms are to the sky, you're, you know, catching raindrops. We call those willing hands. And you just see your hands open and willing. It really puts a picture image in your mind. Like, wow, I am willing to get better. I'm willing to make this work. You know, it just makes you, yeah. it changes your attitude. It's something, all mm-hmm. oh, this other, sorry, one last thing. Oh, no, it, of course. There's, there's all these cool tools I learned. Very cool tool. It sounds silly, of course, like all the tools, but um, it's called a half smile. It's definitely a forced thing that you got to do. So let's say you're having a bad day, you're super sad and you're frowning and maybe, maybe you're crying, you know, and you just got to force, there's like 20 muscles in your mouth, right? You got to force just one corner, just one side of your, your lips, your mouth up, just one corner. And it's a half smile. It's like, like a joker smile, I guess. But yeah. if you can do a half smile, your brain, it, it the, the, the nerves and the electricity, like, go to your brain and it tricks your brain to thinking, Oh, I'm half happy or something like that. Like it actually, it works. It it's, it's not like some voodoo, voodoo magic. It's like, just try it. It's just simple science. It's simple human anatomy. Yeah. It's nothing you got to prove or guess or hypothesize. Just, just do it. And if it works for you, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. That's one thing. Gosh, I, I, I I've delved into like pseudosciences, pseudo, pseudo um, <laughs> yeah. remedies, let's say. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. You, really, you really just got to want to get better, I guess. If you don't want to get better, you're not going to get better. I think that that's really a huge part of, of it all is you have to want it because no one can do it for you. No one can make you do it. Mm-hmm. It has to come from within. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. It is hard, especially when you've been through something really traumatic because in order to move forward, you have to go backwards and actually move through the trauma because you can't just kind of skip around it and keep going forward. You have to go backwards and go through it at some point. Mm-hmm. And that's hard and it's painful. But correct me if I'm wrong, it's always worth it on the other end. Yeah, it's hard to see the other end, but gosh, you just got to uh, keep trucking along. I, it, yeah. I guess forward looks better than backwards because I've had a lot of those moments in my life where I'm just, you know, listening to a sad song and crying over a breakup and eating ice cream or drinking whatever. And, uh, and when you have to revisit that that pain, it sucks. You're like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to revisit that pain of listening to that sad song about the breakup or the cheating or the whatever or the lost friend. I don't know. You don't want to revisit. A, you want to revisit that. That sucked. You know, it sucks. It does. Uh, yeah. But now, yeah, now it's just, uh, it's all just a, it's all just a pass. And yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention though, that you have brought up that seriously speaks to me so much is the gratitude. I like, I, it's like I mentioned, I've never struggled with mental illness. Really. The only thing that I struggle with occasionally is what we can only assume is PTSD Mm. from a really traumatic health related experience in 2016. Mm. So now if there's anything around like respiratory illness, I get really, and then I had COVID in December, which was really rough. And so like anything with respiratory, like strep infection, like anything like that. And I like, 
have to remind myself to breathe and calm down. Like it's mm-hmm. seriously, the only thing we can think of is that I have like PTSD from this really traumatic event. Yeah. And so, uh, but other than that, like I don't struggle with anything. I've always been a happy person. I like, it's just, that's just kind of how I am. But my husband, not so much, but something that I have really noticed that helps him be in a better place and it helps me stay in a good place because I, I never want to compare my experience to his because mental illness is very real, but being married to someone with mental illness is also very difficult. Mm. So something that helps me stay in a good place is gratitude being grateful for every little thing. And I have three neurodiverse children. So like, (laughs) so one of the ways that I stay good, that I stay healthy and happy is gratitude. And it can be every little thing. It doesn't have to be this like big grand thing that you're grateful for. It can be this very little thing. Like I created a like empowerment, self-improvement journal for women. And it starts and ends the day with gratitude mm, in this yeah. journal. And there were, there were times when for there, there are times not where there are times when at the end of the day, I'm like, I am grateful that it is the end of the day, <laughs> or I am grateful that I get to sit and relax mm-hmm. and crawl into bed soon. Like it ha- it can be something so simple, but turning your mind to gratitude Oh my gosh. I know that people talk about it all the time, but for real, like it makes such a huge difference. And it, it like, it's kind of a slow build. Like you do start to notice it pretty quickly when you're noticing things to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the more you do it and the more it becomes a habit, the more benefits you get from it. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, (laughs) It sounds so like, I don't know, sounds so Mormony almost, right? Okay. Like, you know, <laughs> I am thankful for my food, you know, but no, no. So yes. <laughs> look at the, okay. Look at the opposite of gratitude. It's when, when you're thankful, you're, you appreciate things. So what's the opposite? Yep. Like it, unappreciation. So you're basically, if you're, if you're don't want to be happy, you don't want to be thankful for things. You're just like, I don't appreciate my healthy legs. I don't appreciate my job. I don't appreciate my healthy family. I don't appreciate this healthy meal. I don't appreciate my huge paycheck, you know? If you're not being thankful for that stuff, you're basically just ignoring it and not appreciating it. Yeah. And that's just, what kind of person is that? Like, it's mm-hmm. very resentful, very bah humbug, and not happy for sure. Man, absolutely. Oh, okay. Man, we're out of time, which oh, yeah. is really sad because I've fairly been enjoying talking to you. Yeah. And this has been great. I'm really grateful that you shared your story. So I I usually always ask an extra question that I don't tell you about beforehand. Oh, okay. um, and I kind of change it depending on the person yeah. and their story. So my question for you would be if you were talking to someone who was ready to take the steps to get better what would be one of the first one or two things that you would give in way of advice to them just starting out on their journey does that make sense yeah yeah oh that's a good that's a great question yeah oh god the only i can think of is like are you tired of hurting you know just ask yourself are you tired of tired of being miserable tired tired of hurting you know like something's gotta give like that is there a movie called that i think 
Something's got to give. It's a phrase. You know, are, you, are you tired of being sad? And are you, do you want to change? You know, you got to make a change, I guess. For, for me, like battling for five years of a dozen attempts, I got tired of it, you know? I got tired of it and I got tired of um, uh, my relationships failing, my friendships failing, my my education and my work life failing. I was just getting tired of it and I wanted something had to give. And I had to just like slap myself out and be like, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to make it work because uh, I want to live. I want to live um, because people that are major, major depressed, they don't want to live, live. Yeah. And so I just had to yell at myself in my room of myself, like, I want to live. And if I want to live, I can't be depressed anymore because it's not living. It's not a life. So I want to live. How do I do that? And that the answer to that question is a solution. How do you find that? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's answers is different for sure. I absolutely love that though. That's so good. And I think that's so good to kind of end on. Ben, thank you. This really was so, so good. Yep. Yeah. Even if even if we lose this audio recording, it was just great to chat with you. I wish I could chat with more people from high school and old friends because uh, I lost all my friends in the military because people deploy and move, change bases, states. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cool. Making friends. My husband. Oh, sorry. I was going to say my husband was an Air Force brat. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, he's not military, but his dad was for his basically entire life. So, he, yeah, (laughs) he, uh, he does have some very good friends that he had. He lived in Japan for most of his growing up. Oh, nice. Very cool. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. The the, the one Japanese word I know is, I'm going to butcher it, but I I, I, I used to cook for some Japanese people in Hawaii. Um, Te dakimasu or Tadakimas. Oh, um, uh, I, he has said that before, and then he don't remember what. Tadakimas. Yeah, it, it, it. You say it around the dinner table right before you eat. Yeah. Like ah, here we let's uh, let's eat this meal. Let's eat. Let's join. Family. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. No, I love it. Um, but he like so friends are difficult in military. I know because it's just this constantly changing environment like that's just the way military is it's a constantly changing environment so it's really difficult to have solid friends that way just because it's constantly moving and transitioning um he he does have a couple really good friends that he basically grew up with Mm. in japan and they actually like he actually lives uh like 10 15 minute drive away from us which is really cool yeah. yeah they like went to byu together and they they still live here so we're we still hang out with them when it's not covid we really miss them (laughs) but anyway this was so good i really i really do appreciate you sharing your story i know that it's a lot to ask of people to share their story i I just gosh i just had uh I, I just saw you uh posting other people that were sharing stories and i was like gosh uh i just figure there's probably one person that if one person hears this podcast, I don't know if anybody listens to these podcasts at all, but uh, I did. I listened to one. So if, if some one person gets helped, gosh, that's one, one person is enough. Like one person's life is worth a lot, you know? 
Absolutely. Yeah. That, and seriously, like that is absolutely true. I like, I really cannot tell you how many people have reached out to me and thanked me for a specific episode wow. because awesome. it connected with them because like, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do it is people who people have been through similar experiences. We don't think we're alone. Like, we don't think we share anything. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you're never alone. Like, seriously, I don't think there's a single person out there who hasn't had at least some sort of experience similar to you. Like mm-hmm. meaning the you is like this big grand you, right. like someone understands someone else out there has been through it and they get it. And that's kind of the whole point of this is scars. We share scars. We share. And like, I know that your episode will help someone. So I really appreciate you opening your mouth and sharing your story so that someone else can be helped through it. Cause I know someone will be. So I'm just, I'm just grateful that I, that I would, that I was helped and that I, you know, found the solution per se. And uh, I'm just so grateful. So if, so, if somebody can find that too, gosh, uh, it's a lot to be grateful for to find that happiness in yourself. So, yeah. Yes. Oh, amen on that. Amen. Yep. If you're struggling or if you ever struggle with thoughts of suicide, please, please, please get help. You are loved. You're important. You are worth it. You're stronger than you think. You are wanted, you are unique, and the world will not be the same without you. I'm going to quote a song from Good Charlotte called Hold On. Hold on if you feel like letting go. Hold on, it gets better than you know. Don't stop looking, you're one step closer. Don't stop searching, it's not over. Hold on. Please hold on though, for real. And anything and everything that you're struggling with, just... Just hold on. Check out the show notes for resources and more at scarswishare.com slash podcast slash episode 078. Diagnosis wise, I have anxiety and depression, uh, PTSD, and just recently, (laughs) I was also diagnosed with ADHD. (laughs) 